was so desperate that by accident I'd walked into a Starbucks store and they were having a hiring event. This young woman who didn't know me and she looked over and she said to me, uh, would you like a job? Instead of just a polite lie, I said, yes, yes, I would like a job. In my previous life, I never would have had the courage, in a way, to make that leap. Coming up, hear the story of Michael Gates Gill, a wealthy ad executive who became a Starbucks barista and found a new sense of happiness in the process. Next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. This Change Nation podcast is presented by City. City never sleeps. Welcome to the first 30 days. I'm Ariane, and today I'm joined by Michael Gates Gill. He is the author of a recent book, How Starbucks Saved My Life. A son of privilege learns to live like everyone else. Mike had it all, the great job at a very prestigious firm, money, wife, kids. Uh, wonderful education, Ivy League school, wealthy parents, grew up in a terrific way, and also good health. And then life changed. And his book, um, How Starbucks Saved My Life, A Son of Privilege Learns to Live Like Everyone Else, has just been released and is just truly wonderful, inspirational, Mike. I've just finished it. And it's such an example of navigating life changes and what to do when life throws you some things that you're not quite prepared for. So as you know, here at the first 30 days, we're all about empowering people through change and helping people with some of the the tougher stuff in life. So given your story, Mike, if you could, could you share it with us in a couple of minutes? Sure. Just sort of what what happens. Well, I think, uh, first of all, I have to say, I would never, you know, volunteered for this dramatic a change uh, in my life. But uh, what uh, what had happened was that I've been born with sort of every advantage, both you know materially into an affluent home, but also my father was a famous writer for the New Yorker magazine named Brendan Gill, and he was part of this what they used to call the Glitterate, you know, with Jackie Kennedy and all Norman Mailer and everybody uh, in those days. And then uh, I was also given a great education at Yale. In those days, if your father and grandfather, et cetera, had gone to Yale, you were automatically welcomed. And then a, a friend of mine at Yale gave me my first job at a big, the biggest advertising agency in the world. And because of my background and because of, you know, that kind of thing, where you were, in those days you were just promoted uh, with by people who were just like you. So I was promoted up to a major six-figure salary. But then I made that uh, classic mistake in advertising as I, I grew old. And uh, despite the fact that I always believed it wouldn't happen to me, at 53, I was invited out to have a breakfast. Um, by the way, never leave. Never leave the office to have breakfast with anyone after a certain age in corporate life. That's a good tip. Yeah. But anyway, I was I was fired, and uh, then I had my consulting company, which many people try to do. You know, it's sort of a, after you've been fired, you try to say, well, maybe I can, life can go on in the same old way. And that's what I tried to do. But basically, uh, it didn't work. And sometimes I think that maybe is one example of, by the way, I, I'm not a guru on this stuff. I'm just simply who, someone who messed up my life but then was given a, a chance to change and have a new life. But I think part, that's part of part of making a mistake is just compounding it by trying to proceed ahead even though it's not working. And that I had my consulting company, wasn't working, and I got more and more depressed. I got a divorce. And then a few weeks before I walked in to the Starbucks store and, this, and had this major and dramatic change in my life, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor by this doctor who was much too eager to operate. Fortunately, I, in that sense, I didn't have health insurance, so when I told him that, his face fell a little bit, and 
he gave me some uh, chance to say, well, let's, let's postpone it. So that day that I walked into the Starbucks store, I, I, my life was really, I was writing this sort of script for myself, which is probably another mistake that people make is that, you know, you write your own stories and mine was coming to a, what I thought was a dead end after having been given all that. It seemed to me I, I just couldn't figure out a way to get out of that depressed uh, box. But fortunately and fortuitously, and I think that's, this is sometimes how life happens, I was so desperate that by accident I walked into a Starbucks store and they were having a hiring event. And this young woman who didn't know me and, and the kind of person who I, in my previous life I wouldn't even have looked at her sat next to, but I happened to sit down next to her with my latte, sort of my last remaining treat. And she looked over and she said to me, uh, would you like a job? And suddenly that broke through my almost years of denial and, you know, and feeling of, gosh, uh, you know, magical thinking and that something would happen even if I proceeded just in the same old way. And so she gave me a new way, a new way out. And more than that, she helped build a bridge because she said, well, I said, you know, go through. And instead of just a polite lie, I said, yes, yes, I would like a job. And then she also gave me an application. And I said, well, I knew I never filled out a job application. I'd fail at that. And she helped take me through. So here's a stranger from a whole different world who uh, gave me his chance. And I think one of the lessons for maybe anyone listening or, or you know, you say that you like to share the lessons, I think that could be, I spent many too many years just trying to repeat myself and stay in my safe little cocoon even though I was failing. And then that when I had a chance, uh, I think that people should be willing to say, I need help, because I, I told her I need help in the job application. And without having said that honest thing, I, I don't think I would have been able to make that transition. Mike, what were the first 30 days after losing that big, prestigious, significant job like for you? Well, I think that, the, yeah, that's a good way. I think what I would like to do is say, what are the first 30 days like after I, you know, I sort of, it took me years to reach that point of desperation and uh, where I could be honest and say, I need a job and I need help. And I think it's interesting how I got out of that box. It's sort of saying, I asked for help and then I also asked for help going through that job application. And then also when I encountered this new world and you know, uh, this, I never had planned to wear a green apron, black baseball cap, and serve coffee as my, and having such a good time in it. I think that also the the idea of uh, just leaping forward into it, because in my previous life I never would have had the courage, in a way, to make that leap. And I think that we think in in America, you know, you can plan out your life and you can do this and this and this. But I think sometimes it's better to leap than than, than look. In any case, I think that. The, uh, the next stage, you know, so that the first thing is ask for help. This, this, you know, the second thing is, is also be, be willing to learn whole new, a whole new vocabulary. For example, Starbucks has a whole new way of drinks, but also more the vocabulary of respect. I had never really respected people from different backgrounds uh, than my own. I had that sort of blinkered, shuttered view of life. And learning to respect people from all different backgrounds and all, all different kind of educations and cultures really was a, a, a new freedom for me. And that's, I think, another thing that I discovered quickly in those first 30 days is I was freer than I'd ever been just because I lost that need to pretend like I was something from my previous life. Did you find yourself um, praying or thinking God had abandoned you, or did religion play any part in, in sort of all of these changes that were showing up? I think... Um, I would say that I always, from the time I was a little boy, I'd always felt that God, you know, I was sort of a lonely little boy, but I'd always felt that God was with me and uh, in a sense of, you know, 
taking care of me. And uh, even though, yeah, even at my when I was in uh, sort of more and more depressed, I would always uh, say sort of prayers at night and prayers in the morning. Uh, I would forget during the Harry day, but I I think it did help me. It it, it sort of relieved me of the feeling that I had to. That even though I was failing, you know, I was I was I was not alone. It gave me that feeling that at least I was not completely alone in this desperate situation. Mike, it sounds like you've got a whole new set of beliefs about life, about work, about money. Do you do you have a a sense of sort of how much those beliefs have changed from what they were? Yes. Well, once again, by the way, I, I have to emphasize the fact that I'm not like uh, you know the Dalai Lama or someone who does this. Through I know. Evolving. I mean, I was kicked out of the establishment in a sense. I got broke and all these other things, and I didn't ask for the brain tumor either without any health insurance. But I think what I got out of it, out of losing that big life, you know, in a, in a, you know, they, they, the one, you know, with full of status and stuff. One one night I came out of my store after I learned how to really be a good cleaner. I clean. I would clean floors. That was my specialty. I'm still struggling to make a good latte or do the cash register. Boy, can I clean! But anyway, one one night after closing i came out in the street and i put my hand on my heart and said wow you know i'm happier than i've ever been mm. that was the real the biggest surprise to me about this change in my life is that i was expecting to be no matter what less happy than i've been as this you know p- person had been given everything but i discovered this whole new life that was so much less full of what you might call status and big houses and big expense accounts mm. but boy what a relief there's a relief in I think humility in, in that sense of knowing that I realized I wasn't this master of the universe. I was just a, another human being struggling like every human being. And that was such a relief to me. It was almost like I'd been straining to keep up appearances and keep up this lifestyle. But it wasn't really me. I, I now, when I go home to my little apartment, by the way, I have to say this New York Times reporter came back to my little apartment. She was really shocked. And she said, I have to stop being a reporter. This is, this is not, not acceptable. You know, she said, get a couch because I just have a few pieces of picnic furniture and that kind of thing. But I think that that life now, and once again, I don't know whether other people can learn from it, but just having less stuff is such freedom. I, when I, it's, it fills your life with material possessions, and it's so, yeah, I, I feel more buoyant and, and more ease of going through life with so much less stuff on my back. You certainly sound that way, and I know we've never met, but you... Your energy and your passion and your life force, I mean, it's evident just, you know, the minute you start talking about, about this, it's, it's a pleasure just even to listen to. Michael, how, how did you handle the beginnings of what people might say about you or judge you? or There's, there's a lot of, of emphasis about fitting in about what other people think. How do we help people detach from that and truly find the sort of the freedom and the happiness that you found? Well, it was very hard for me at first. I think, by the way, I don't think you can you can expect an instant change in your previous, you know. So I told my, even my children, I said, don't come and see me, you know, because I want at least, you know, at first I thought I might even be fired from Starbucks because, you know, it was tricky to call out the drinks and make the drinks. And so I said, don't come. But they just came in anyway. But I think what I realized, and, and they, they sort of got a kick out of it. I'm not saying that they wanted their father to fail, you know, but I think they got a kick out of seeing me struggle with reality because I've been giving them all this pompous advice all, all my life from from my perspective was I deserve to be this person with this big salary and all that stuff. And they would say, Dad, you don't get it. You were given all this stuff. And I finally, you know, it's sort of sad, but finally at 63 I began to, 
to realize, yes, I had been given, and I, that, and and I think that, so I, I, I gradually, and it took me, I would say, a couple months, but I gradually became not only relaxed with, say, people from my former life, but actually I felt pleased with, with the experience because, you know, it's really wonderful to feel useful again because even cleaning it like a, a toilet, I know it's hard for other people to understand this, but I never cleaned anything in my life, and today I can really, you know, take a messy toilet and make it sparkle. Mm-hmm. My manager my store, Crystal, she said to me, you know, boy, Mike, I've never seen anyone clean like you. And I can tell you that... Uh, when you, when one of the problems sometimes in life is you feel like you're not really contributing any value or help to other people, and to be able to serve other people. And the other big dimension to me is that I'm able to bring some happiness to people. You know, either the people I'm working with or the people I'm serving, and that is also uh, such a gift. Uh, it, it feels so good. And I've been sort of the, a member of the class that like to be served, and I can tell you it's a lot more fun and, and a lot more satisfying. I think to help serve others. Like you mentioned, giving advice to to kids, what what sort of advice do you give them nowadays? I would say, uh, I would say the biggest thing is to not try to protect yourself from, you know, the world, if you will. I think if you're given all the stuff I've been given, sometimes you feel that the world could be a dangerous place, right? And you don't want to associate with that kind of person or this kind of person, and that's just tragedy, because out there is this whole, you know, amazing world that is full there is danger in there but there is also excitement and to deny yourself that by trying to just say i'm just going to talk to people just like me i'm just going to be with people just like me i think it's terribly limiting and yet i think so i would tell you know everybody to and the other thing is i would say be open to a spontaneous new quote-unquote irrational decision sometimes you know i think in life some of the best things in life that are given to you or you don't see because you're so focused on what you that you're in charge or trying to control your life. And I think another great relief for me today is I don't try to control every second and every day and every you know experience. I, I let I let spontaneous uh, happy surprises come into my life. I've met, I'm sure you have too, so many people who are in jobs that they don't like and are restricted by financial worries or responsibilities do you think it's possible for for people to choose to leave a job and to choose to radically change their financial world as opposed to what happened to you which is life sort of took care of that for you and and you responded accordingly right i think well i was just talking to um uh this college group and I, I, they seemed to be a lot more confident than I was. I mean, I was on this escalator, but I didn't realize in, I was so insecure that even though it wasn't that I loved all the meetings, or the, you know, the nonsense of the advertising world, I didn't have the courage to say there might be a whole different world out there, you know, where I was up in this big office looking down and there might be a whole world outside that was a lot more exciting. And I think hopefully this, I think other people would have the courage. Right? I mean, it was out of, I was kicked out, but I, I would, I would recommend to other people that they just have the courage when they feel, you know, you can feel it. If you put your hand on your heart, you can feel, am I happy or am I frustrated? Or am, And the other thing is, am I respected? Because the respect is also very important. Do other people I'm working with and the people I interact with, am I able to, you know, do they, is there a respectful and appreciative environment? And finally, am I able to help? And it doesn't matter what way. I mean, just bringing a little laughter in my area, for example, is, is not I mean, am I able to help others? Because I think that's 
what we were all, in a sense, made to do. In, in some way, we were all made to help other people and other, you know, e- each other. And I think those three things of respect and feeling that, you know, you're you in touching your heart and say, are you happy in this situation? And then, are you able, whatever you do during your day, to help in some way other people? I think those three things, and I think people know, you know, I think the hard thing is a lot of people feel frustrated, but then they're fearful. And I think that's such a tragedy because we leave such an effervescent brief time in this world. And, I mean, it took me until I was 63. I would I would really hope that it would take, like, 23-year-olds or 30, any any stage of life and say, this is not a happy experience for me. I'm going to just leap. But I think a lot of people are paralyzed by trying to figure their way out of it because I think Americans were so earnest and serious and we try to say, here are the pros and cons. And basically, I think life isn't made that way. I think life is made for those spontaneous leaps into the unknown almost without a net. And that's the time you, you feel where you are caught and carried on to a whole new experience. You mentioned um, fear and paralysis, and which I'm sure are emotions that you felt at, at some point when all of these changes were happening. Do you have do you have a sense as to how you overcame those? Is it, I think, did you think differently about them, or did you just kind of trust life and go with things? Well, now I, I, found, I found that I could trust, like today I feel I can trust life. That you can't, first of all, I learned you can't control life. So that's a really, I think, a profound, it's a, it goes with humility. You know, it's sort of like the feeling, well, I'm not going to control life. So then, then it leads to the more thing of just, you know, I, I, want, I remember once uh, just, going out, and uh, this was in the country, just lying down on, on the floor of the forest and just saying, you know, I will be taken by, by life rather than I will try to take life or use life. And I think that's a profound change. Once you make that, once you yield, yield to life, it's sort of like, you know, there's a song I made up which was let go and let God. In other words, let go, let go of all your trying to, in a sort of sad and frantic way, and, and just let God, well, then, but for other people it could be just let go and let life, or let go and just let the flow of the universe, don't try to breathe, in other words, let, you know, let everything else breathe with you. One of the things, and it's right up at the beginning of your book that you say that I underlined with the red pen is, um, you'll soon feel happier than ever. Yes. Um and you were saying that to someone who had heard, I believe that someone had either a brain tumor or cancer and had a few weeks to live. Is that a belief that, do you believe that something good and something great will will happen and that people will feel happier on the other side of possibly a, a terrible crisis? I think that's the way, uh, you know, I think that's sort of the mysterious, by the way, I, once again, I haven't, you know, figured out life is still a mystery and my own, even my own happiness, I'm not sure why, you know, but I think that you're absolutely right. I think that's one big part of the piece is to believe that, you know, in in the way the universe is created, I don't know whether it's a big bang, I mean, I have no knowledge of all that stuff, but I do know I've been through births of my children, and it's very painful and traumatic, and it's something that, uh, it's, it's unbelievably painful, by the way, having just watched it, I mean, I'm not a, I haven't gone through it myself, actually, man, is, you know, but, but out of that comes this amazing amazing new life and I think that 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 sort of could be a metaphor or an example of how 
in in creating in creating new life or new experiences and a new life for for your, yourself from everybody. I think you have to let go of the old life, and part of that letting go is painful and is hard. But I think you can feel confident that if you really, it, it's natural that you let go in a painful and sometimes traumatic way. But then, on the other side of that letting go is is this feeling of of sort of being bathed in in a warm and uh, and, and sort of supportive light. At least that's the way I feel. Yeah. Did you find that the people that you went to were they able to help? Were they were some better than others? Or it sounds like I know Crystal in your book yes. was a brand new person that showed up as a gift in your life. Well, I think she she had a real gift for. Well, first of all, you know, here was decades older and from a totally different background. I think she had the confidence that she felt that, you know, she could help, right? And there are people in life who I think that is a great gift that they say, you know, come come with me and you can do this. That she believed in me. And there were, in, in my book I talk about a teacher when I was very young and, you know, couldn't learn to read until I was 10. She, she believed in me too. I think we always remember those people who see beyond the surface incompetence or all our problems and say, see that in a sense the spirit or the soul within and say, you are you are a person of value and, and you can make a contribution, right? That's those are people I think are always so so important in life. Absolutely. And we all have them. Yeah. And I think the way you know I think sometimes we miss the opportunities to and at least in my case, I think I missed some opportunities maybe to to make to make that link because I was so intent on you know, trying to do everything myself. I think that one of the biggest mistakes we make in life is we don't accept the gifts that other people can offer us. What was the gift that you felt you most received by starting this job at Starbucks? I would say that uh, respect for, I you know, the very first day I started, uh, Crystal came in, she bought me a cup of coffee and pastries. And, you know, in my 26 years in advertising, I never, literally had never even thought about bringing coffee for anyone who worked for me. And just that, and it sounds like a small gesture, but just that gesture, I mean, it's a quick, you know, very busy retail environment, but she spent the time, and you know, when I was sort of uneasy and fearful, to, to make that human link and to say, you're welcome, and, and, and in a sense, serve me and respect me. And then every step of the way, she would, you know, she would never say, order me. She would always say, you know, Mike, could you do me a favor, for example, if there was a spill coffee? You know, would you, would you mind getting a mop? In other words, it was those few seconds where you interact with someone, you look at them in the eye and you say, I recognize you as another person, but also I recognize that you can make a contribution. And, you know, I think a lot of depression and feeling of, of fear and all stuff comes from the fact that somebody might think they couldn't make a contribution. And almost everybody, I would say everybody, can make a contribution. That's why we were created. So I think it's... It's being open to that, but I think that's the single biggest thing, that respect for me and my, my ability to make in some way to, to, to give and, and, to, and, the, and that gift being valued. Beautiful, beautiful story. I know that you also went through some family changes, um, divorce, you had another child, some health changes. It seems that life certainly thought you were strong enough to go through more than one, one change at a time. Did you find there was a similarity with sort of 
how you're feeling and and eventually what got you through were were all of these changes connected in your mind did you get better at handling all these unpredictable changes well i think i'm better today in the sense that i had a great uh, teacher too uh, a friend of mine died of uh, prostate cancer you know his name was gordon and gordon really helped me understand i mean you know i mean i went through absolutely i went through a divorce and being diagnosed with a brain tumor is no fun you know that kind of thing but when someone actually dies that you love, you know, that you're close to, I think uh, if they, and in a way he, you know, he, because he, I would say, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm not doing more. She said, you're doing everything for me, just being here. And I said, well, how do you feel? He said, he said, I couldn't be happier. And he wasn't kidding, you know, he was singing. And I think his sort of courage and acceptance of, of, of uh, death being a, an essential part of life, you know, if you can accept the fact that, your life itself, that death itself is going to be, or the writer Henry James called it the last great adventure. Mm. In other words, instead of being so fearful, I mean, I think at the end of the day, maybe a lot of our fear comes from, you know, fear of death and fear of this and fear of that. If you could be more accepting and joyful and just saying, look at the light on that wall, mm. listen to the sound, of, you know, your own sounds are the sounds of the song. And I think there is a song within all of us and just sort of to sing that song, no, no matter what, because there will be, there will be. I mean, I'm not expecting my life not to be filled with pain and problems, but at least I can be, I think, humble and even joyous in receiving the full range of life rather than trying to, you know, it was sort of sad. I was trying to just see and pretend like there was just this one little slice of life full of status and, and, and you know, and privileged few. And actually, life is this huge canvas with every kind of fear and every kind of pain and every kind of emotion. I think if you accept that, wow, does that feel good? Because then you say, I'm on this, you know, you, I talked to someone today. They were, they, were, they, were, they were going on some river rafting trip, you know. Well, actually, we don't even have to go on those because we're on a river rafting trip. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's accepting the splashing water in your face as well as the, the warming sun that is really the, the key to enjoying life rather than being fearful in life. Mm. When you look out into the next few decades of your life, do you, do you see some changes that you want to make? Do you, are you in a place now of just trusting that life's going to bring you everything you need? Is there a well, difference would, between waiting on life or sort of actively saying, I need to change this or I want to change this? I feel, like, I feel just sort of blessed right now with the balance that's the other thing. I feel my life was on balance, but today, for example, I mean, I get up at 4 a.m. and you know, I'm not saying I leap out of bed because I'm 67, so I could have leap out of bed. Yes. But, but I make it over to Starbucks, and at 5 a.m. I'm having coffee with my partners. We call them partners. I'm greeting the guests. We call the you know customers guests, whatever. But it's an enjoyable. You know, there's laughter and there's enjoyment and creation actually of those kind of nice experiences. And then, but by 1 1:30. This is another great gift, I, I think, that it might, it's a part-time job, so my, I have a life, you know. That's, that's a big, I wouldn't want to give that up, that, that kind of balance of I have the afternoon, evening, I, could, I can listen to music or read a book, or I don't think I would have ever written this book if I'd had my previous life. Mike, the mention of a brain tumor, I know that you sort of say that's no fun. To, to someone who's been diagnosed with anything, that they, again, feel sort of is a shock and out of control. What what would you what would you recommend in terms of what to believe about something like that? Well, I think it, 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 it's once again sort of a reminder that we're such a fragile little, you know, I mean we I think we live long, much longer obviously than a fruit fly, but 
Hey, there's nothing like it. Don't live with anything long as a as a redwood tree, right? Yeah. I guess the good news, I mean, the bad news is, you know, in, I, you know, I wouldn't wish this on or anybody or on myself, but I think the good news is it does remind you that of the you better you better find a way to enjoy this moment because because it is you know you never never know what will, the next moment will bring. Yeah, true. Mike, I've got um, a few questions that I ask every single person that I'm I'm excited about interviewing, and I call them the the first thirty day signature questions. What's the main number one belief that you now go to when your life is either changing or or during times of change? Is there sort of one solid thought that you you hold and that you believe? Well, it's, uh, one thing I do is, and it's an, more of an act, it's sort of, I put my hand on my heart, and I try to say, how do I feel? And that's helpful for me, because previous life I would, I was living by external measures, like what was my salary or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful for me to, to whoa, oh, I feel great. I feel really happy, you know? So that's really, that's to me a very important. What about this one? The best thing about change is? The best thing about change is there's a whole new life that's better than your previous life out there. I can be completely confident about that. Here's another one. What's the best, I think I know the answer to this question, what's the best change you've ever made? Well, that, that one, yeah, the, the current, the the change from an uptight <laughs> life to a, to a life of more uh, humility and freedom. Mike, I, uh, I'm honored and grateful and thankful. I've been scribbling down notes while you've been speaking, and I'm sure everything that you've you've said here, it's whether you see yourself as being very wise or not. I know you say you're not a guru, but by virtue of just experience and being part of the human race, and and really taking an experience that some people might have put in the dark and been ashamed about, and put in the shadow, and and bring it out into the light, and having the courage and the humor and even just the time to, to write the book and share it with you, with, with the world. You know, I, I, I say thank you on behalf of me and anyone else who I know will listen to this. Well, I really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I feel that that's, another, that's sort of another happy surprise that I was able to share. And I, I met a young lady the other day that she said, and she was about 26, and she she was already, you know, she, she said, this is so helpful for me because then I won't settle for you know this unhappiness I feel today. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go to something that will will be more fulfilling to me. And I it was such a that was such a gift to me that maybe through sharing this this story that other people will won't have to wait until they're 63 to maybe do something uh, a little more adventuresome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, well, Mike. Thank you. I hope maybe sometime our our paths will cross. I don't know when, but again, I'm I will trust life on that one as as you do so well. Thank, thank you, and thank you for being so perceptive and also for helping others because I think it's a very lonely thing sometimes when you get in that box of depression and being stuck. And sometimes you need other people to help you get unstuck. And I think your your whole thing with this first 30 days and the idea that change can be scary, but it doesn't have to be it doesn't it doesn't have to be negative. It can be a very positive experience. I think that's going to be very helpful to a lot of people. Thank you, Mike. I've been speaking today with Michael Gates Gill, author of the book, How Starbucks Saved My Life. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening. And remember, 
Come visit us at our website at first30days.com for many other interesting and inspiring interviews. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from the First 30 Days. Please visit us on iTunes in the Society and Culture podcast section under Philosophy. Remember to take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of the First 30 Days Incorporated. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.